whether you have your phone or your iPad or your, or your Bible, whatever you're going to go ahead and open it up to Psalm 115. And let's read it together. Starting in verse 1, not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name be the glory because of your love and faithfulness. Why do the nations say, where is their God? Our God is in heaven. He does whatever pleases him. But their idols are silver and gold made by the hands of men. They have mouths but cannot speak, eyes but they cannot see. They have ears but cannot hear, noses but they cannot smell. They have hands but cannot feel. They have feet but they cannot walk. Nor can they utter a sound with their throats. Those who make them will be like them. And so will all those who trust in them. O house of Israel, trust in the Lord. He is their help and shield. O house of Aaron, trust in the Lord. He is their help and shield. You who fear him, trust in the Lord. He is their help and shield. The Lord remembers us and will bless us. He will bless the house of Israel. He will bless the house of Aaron. He will bless those who fear the Lord, small and great alike. May the Lord make you increase, both you and your children. You may be blessed by the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. The highest heavens belong to the Lord, but the earth, but to the earth, the earth has been given to man. It is not the dead who praise the Lord, those who go down to silence. It is we who extol the Lord, both now and forevermore. Praise the Lord. In the 1960s, a psychologist named Walter Michelle at Stanford University conducted what he called the marshmallow test. Now, you may have seen something similar to this if you've popular culture, social media, um, certain things. There's even a Netflix show. They do some stuff with this. But, but the crux of the original marshmallow test was this. You take a four-year-old, you put him in a room, you set them down, you, in front of them you put a plate, and you put a big fluffy marshmallow on it. Now things have changed. They do Snickers and M&Ms and all kinds of things now, right? But in the 60s, just imagine a big fluffy marshmallow right there in front of you. And the instructor, there's only one person in the room with the child, they'll say, okay, here's the deal. You can have this marshmallow. This marshmallow is yours. You can do whatever you want with it. You can eat it, right? It's perfectly okay if you eat this marshmallow. But I'm going to step away. And when I come back, if you have not eaten the marshmallow, I will give you another marshmallow. So you will have two marshmallows. All you have to do is not eat the marshmallow while I'm gone. Now, if this were another day and time and all of you watching at home are going to be able to appreciate this because you can look up funny videos. I would show you a funny video of kids struggling to not eat the marshmallow, right? It is hilarious. It is joyful. But... Because of our viewers at home, um, if we were to put those videos on there, then YouTube would take us down and ban us for copyright infringement, and we can't have that happen. So you're going to have to imagine kids trying to eat, not eat marshmallows and how funny it would be, because it is funny. Uh, sure, you can treat yourself to that later. Um, and so what, what the psychologist is doing here is he's trying to attempt to understand willpower. This is what he called it. This was a study on willpower. This is a study on being able to delay gratification, and what could that mean? And so he did all this research with all these four-year-olds, and then he waited. And then he waited until they graduated high school, and he would, he would get back with them, and they would fill stuff out. And what he found was, was that 
for a vast majority, those who could control themselves and not eat the marshmallow had a slew of good things that they did better than those who didn't. Anything from their overall general happiness to their body mass index to 200 plus points on the SAT, they would do better. Those who could delay this gratification. And so this is a big study about self-control and, and, I, and I'm watching some stuff and I find an interview from this psychologist and it's funny. He, he says this thing and it really struck me. He said this. He said, self-control has been an issue since Adam and Eve lost paradise. And I was like, oh, that's cool. And, and almost immediately I went, but that's not right. I mean, that's cool, but that's, that's, that's not what happened there. And so real quickly, let's just read Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. It says this. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. And he said to woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat from the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God did not say, uh, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden. But you must not touch it or you will die. So no eating it, no touching it, or you will die. You will certainly not die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it and she gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Most of us are familiar with this story and, and you know what happens after. So yes, Adam and Eve were left alone with a very tempting thing, right? And they decided to take of it. But the problem that they had was not willpower or self-control. The problem they had was trust. The problem they had was trust. Yes, Satan played a trick on them and he talked, talked them out of it. But ultimately, they did not trust what God had told them. Now, uh, Michelle later comes back in his test and says this, the marshmallow test can also be a test of trust. What he discovered was that children who had been through some sort of trauma, children who had been abandoned by their parents at a young age, children who had been through things were often less trustful. They didn't trust people, right? And thus would eat the marshmallow. It's because... Yes, this person who is in the room with me says they're going to come back, but will they really come back? Yes, they say there's going to be another marshmallow, but will there really be another marshmallow? I should get this marshmallow now because I don't trust this process. You see, trust is a factor that we don't often think of that rules many of the decisions that we make. And so as we look at Psalm 115, the very first thing I want us to look at is this. The very first point we should know is this. Trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord. Let's look back at verses 1 through 11 again. Not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name be the glory, because of your love and faithfulness. Why do the nations say, where is their God? Our God is in heaven. He does whatever pleases him, but their idols are silver and gold made by the hands of men. They have mouths but cannot speak, eyes but they cannot see. They have ears but cannot hear, noses but they cannot smell. They have hands 
but cannot feel. They have feet, but they cannot walk, nor can they utter a sound with their throats. Those who make them will be like them, and so will all those who trust in them. O house of Israel, trust in the Lord. He is their help and shield. O house of Aaron, trust in the Lord. He is their help and shield. You who fear him, trust in the Lord. He is their help and shield. In verse 1, the psalmist starts out aptly. He says, not to us, but to you be the glory because of your love and faithfulness. He is to be praised for his love and his faithfulness, qualities we look for in those we trust. And so you have to compare that, right? We trust... His love and faithfulness. This is what we have, and you have to juxtapose that beside how the psalmist is being treated. The psalmist has obviously been attacked by others, by people who worship idols, who look at him and say, hey, look at our idol. It has ears and eyes. It can hear what we say and see what we do, and it can walk and go where we want it to. Right? How is the psalmist supposed to react to all of those things? And let me assure you, the ability to walk, see, smell, and hear do not make their idols good or bad. Uh, My children have stuffed animals in their room, right, that have eyes and ears and noses. It doesn't mean that they're any better at hearing or walking or seeing or doing. The psalmist says, love and faithfulness. Because here's the truth, faithfulness. How do you have faithfulness? Faithfulness is something that is a result of, of trust. Trust is born of results. Um, I'll tell you the, story, the, the, the moment I learned what trust was, how to, what real trust meant, was my junior year of high school. My junior year of high school, about this time of year, we were at football practice. And I know what you're thinking. Oh, it's Doug's last Sunday. He's going to make us relive the glory days while he's on stage. That is correct. Except this story is not that glorious. We're, we're practicing, we're getting ready for a game, and I'm not going to bore you with all the, the football details, but I was playing defensive back, and, and I have one job. There's this team that we're playing against ran a play, and the, the running back would go wide, and so the, running, the wide receiver would come down and block the linebacker. It's called a crack block, and, if you, and you don't know it's coming until the last minute, and it really hurts. You just you don't see it coming, you turn around, and all of a sudden you get smashed. And my job as the defensive back was to go crack block, crack, scream it loud, crack, crack, crack. And, and so that the linebacker would not get killed by this wide receiver. So we're in practice. Linebacker's a senior. He's a good-sized boy. They run the play. I don't call the block. Linebacker gets knocked down. The linebacker jumps up. The linebacker runs to me. He picks me up like this, throws me on the ground, and smacks me around for a while, right? And I jump up, and I'm like, I look at the coach, and the coach goes, should have called the block. Because here's what happened. This guy trusted me. And his result so far was, he's going to get me killed. If you're a basketball fan or whatever, you, you know, uh, screen, screen, screen. I, I, I know it's Kentucky, but I, even in a pickup game, if you don't yell out a screen, like, you might throw hands, right? You might fight somebody. Like, dude, you're not getting me killed out here. To trust somebody is to know that they are going to have you're back, and it's born out of results. Now, after that one play on the football field, I called it every time. He never had to worry ever again. He trusted me. He's a great guy. I love him. I loved him beforehand. I love him after, right? But it was not a fun moment for me because <laughs> I was a little feller, and he just, you know, ragdolled me and threw me around. But that's what trust looks like. That's what trust 
is. The psalmist says, look at the results. He says, oh, Israel, oh, Israel, trust in the Lord. He goes, you know what you've been through, bondage, oppression, all the things that happened in Egypt and all of the things the Lord has done for you. He says, you know what this is like, trust, faithfulness. He has been there for you. He's your trust and shield. House of Aaron, those who fear in the Lord, all of us in this room who God has seen us through so many things, not to mention the fact that we have forgiveness for sin through Jesus Christ. All of these things that we have, God has been faithful and true and trustworthy. The psalmist is still sitting there going, oh, and people still are beating us down because they can't see our God. God is in the business of results, however, and he doesn't need metallic eyes and ears and feet to accomplish what he seeks out to accomplish. First thing we need to know is to trust in the Lord. He has been faithful. He will be faithful, and he will continue to be faithful always. This is a side note. I do like it. The Bible gets a little snarky sometimes, and the psalmist here has a little dig. He's like, oh, all your idols have these noses and can't smell and eyes and can't see. And then he, in verse 8 he says this, those who make them will be like them, and also those who trust in them. It's like if you want to be lost and confused and, and spin the wheels and get nowhere, do that, Right? To be able to see but not really see. To be able to hear, to have eyes but not really hear what's going on. So the first thing I say is this. Trust in the Lord. Then we continue to read in verse 12. It says this. The Lord remembers us and will bless us. He will bless the house of Israel. He will bless the house of Aaron. He will bless those who fear the Lord, small and great alike. May the Lord make you increase. Both you and your children, may you be blessed by the Lord the maker of heaven and earth. The second thing I would say as we read this psalm is, blessed are those who trust the Lord. Blessed are those who trust the Lord. When we talked about the marshmallow test, there was a blessing that came. It was a very simple blessing. You could see it immediately, right? If you, if you didn't eat the marshmallow, you got another marshmallow. And oftentimes, that's kind of how we think about blessings in the world, right? Oh, I have all of these things. I have all of this stuff. I have all this cars, money, houses, fame, good fortune. We would say, oh, those people are so blessed. But that is not what real blessings look like. Sure, it can be nice. I'm not saying those things are bad, right? I'm not saying those things are not good. But blessing, real blessing is forgiveness of our sins through Jesus, eternity in the presence of God, you know, and Imagine that, like the ultimate delaying of gratification, right? Just to throw it back to the marshmallow test, right? The ultimate waiting for the payoff at the end. Having our basic needs met, peace that passes all understanding. To bring it back to the Psalms we've been talking about, being able to pass the shadow of val- the valley of the shadow of death and fear no evil, right? These are the blessings that come from the Lord. These are the blessings that come from being fully confident and being able to fully trust in someone that, you know, it, it, it's, um, it's so hard to wrap your mind around what it means to be able to fully 100% trust someone and to be able to just be blessed because of that. There's a term um, called gun-shy, right? And we use it a lot for people who've something bad's happened to them, right? Like, oh, she doesn't want to date again. 
uh, as a student pastor, I had to deal with a lot of this stuff, right? Like, oh, no, their heart was broken at 13. They'll never, ever, ever get over it. I have so much sympathy, <laughs> right? Oh, no, whatever will happen. I promise it'll be okay, right? And so, but, you know, you, you talk to them, oh, I don't know if I can ever or, or, you know, oh, he cheated on me. I don't know if I'll ever be able to trust again. And that's real, right? Like you do. You, you get burnt, right? Oh, I gave somebody money for this thing, and then they just stole it from me. Oh, I don't know if I ever want to invest in anything ever again. You get gun shy, and gun shy, the term literally means it's for hunting dogs, and the first time they might hear or see the gun, and there's the loud boom, and, you know, the stuff, you know, the explosion comes out of the end of it and all this stuff, it, it, they were scared. Ah, it scares me. And so then they hear it every time they jump, and so they have to be retrained to not be scared of the sound of the gun and that can be us. We can be gun shy because we've been burned by so many things. I promise you this, the Lord is never going to burn you. When I looked up the term gun shy, and I, I really get into like looking up terms and where they came from and, and the history of them and all that stuff. Um, I, I also looked at the antonyms for gun shy, like what are the opposite terms for gun shy. And I, I was kind of sad to say we're all kind of mean. They were like gullible and stupid. Um, but one of them was childlike, and I really liked that. The opposite of being gunshot, the opposite of being flinchy at the thought of something is being childlike. Matthew chapter 19, verse 14 says this, Jesus said, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. If you want to talk about what it looks like to actually trust without any hindrances. Have you ever been in a store, you adults? I know this happened to me. You ever been in a store and a little kid walks up to you and like grabs your hand or your leg or something because they think you're somebody else? They think they're, you know, you're their mom or their dad. And then they look up at you and they're like, oh, wait, I don't know you. And they're like, oh, no, what do I do? Because here's the truth when you're with a parent that you trust, right? You can just put your hand up. And trust. And no matter where you're going, it's going to be okay. You can trust that while you might not know what the future looks like or what it holds or what's coming next, that I'm in the right spot and I'm doing the right thing. Because what's coming now is going to be okay because I'm, it's going to be good. I'm going to be blessed because I am with someone that I know and trust. And that's powerful. That is a blessing which cannot be measured, which cannot be understood, which cannot be contained. And that's what happens when we trust in the Lord. We are blessed with that kind of feeling and it's it's amazing and it is awesome the end of the verses say this verse 16 the highest heavens belong to the lord but the to the but the earth he has given to man it is not the dead who praise the lord those who go down to silence it is we who extol the lord both now and forevermore praise the Lord. Everybody likes a good deal. I've heard people, like people, even Luke and I have texted each other, yo, Under Armour is 50% off right now. Or, you know, like, oh, can you believe I got this deal on this thing? 
We, we love a good deal. In fact, I told a bunch of people, uh, Leah, who's learning to drive uh, recently, and I'm not laying blame on either party, but Lex left a cleat not where the cleat was supposed to be, and then Leah parked too close to where she was supposed to. Anyway, there was a cleat that got ran over, and we don't have a cleat anymore, okay? That's the important part. Like, it's all folded up. It's, it's ruined. And we discovered this as we discover all things as we're going to practice, right? So it's like, cool, you can wear tennis shoes today at baseball practice. It's fine. I run to academy. I spend $40 on cleats, which I didn't want to do because we're in the middle of a season. That's a short season. It's like five games left. I'm like, cool, I'm going to spend $40 on cleats. I'm not excited about this. I go to academy. I buy $40 cleats. Cool. Drive around a little bit. I end up going to Ross because I like a good deal. And then I go to Ross. I go in. I'm like, all right, they have cleats. Look, $3. Under Armour cleats, for $3. I'm like, oh, this is a seven and a half. I wonder if he needs an eight. I don't know. I'll buy both pair. $6. Right? Cool. Take the other ones back. Great deal. I told everybody, everybody I saw, I said, you know what? I got those cleats for $3. $2.99. So the other day, I was like, you know what? I probably should go back. Maybe I can get some cleats for next year. They were all gone. I think I told too many people about $3 cleats. But this is true. I ended up, I ended up when restaurants reopened, I ended up at Woohoo not that long ago. And I, I really like to eat Woohoo. It's delicious. But I had... I go into Woohoo. I'm like, oh, come cool. I'm going to get some Woohoo. I'll take it back to the office and keep working. And I, I get there, and my buddy Joe's there. And I'm like, hey, Joe, how's it going? What are you doing at Woohoo? He goes, I just want a Woohoo. Are you staying here to eat? I'm like, yeah, I'll stay here if you're going to stay here. So we sit down and we eat. And I'm like, why are you? Like, he's like, so why did you come to Woohoo today? I'm like, well, I talked to Eric, our other buddy. And he was saying how he got this Euro burger and it, how delicious it was. And I, I, it made me want woohoo. And he looked at me. He goes, I talked to Eric this morning. That's why I'm here. He started talking about woohoo, and I wanted woohoo. When you really like something, you tell people about it. Things happen. And there we are. We're both like, okay, cool, awesome, woohoo. When you like something that is proven trustworthy, you won't hesitate to tell people about it. And the opposite of that statement is true. Take it from me, I will not eat at the KFC Taco Bell by the interstate. It will never happen again. There's not, there's not enough desperation in my body to have to go get food there. Apologies if any of you love that place, right? There's not. I've been burned too many times, okay? The opposite is true. Like, I, I won't do it. But here's this God who loves us, who is praiseworthy, who we can trust, who blesses us when we trust in him. And what does it say? It says it says this, the highest heavens belong to the Lord, but the earth has been given to man. It is not the dead who praise the Lord, those who go down to silence. It is we who extol the Lord, both now and forevermore. While we were preparing for this sermon, Sean's preaching over at Second Campus. And Sean said the most on-brand thing for Sean, Sean has ever said. Sean said this. He said, Doug, have you read this book? It's called The One Thing You Can't Do in Heaven. And I said, no, Sean. He goes, well, it's hard to find. It's out of print. And if there's anybody who's read a book that's out of print, it's Sean. <laughs> and I said, all right, what's it about? He said, he said, it's about the one thing you can't do in heaven. I'm like, obviously from the title. And he said, the one thing you can't do in heaven is tell people who don't believe in Jesus about Jesus because they're already in heaven, right? And so while we are here, while we are on this plane, because the highest heavens belong to the Lord, but right now we are here, right? The earth he has given to man, it is not the dead who praise the Lord, but it is we who extol him.
It is we who say his name. It is we who praise him. And that is the job of us in the here and now. It is we who extol the Lord both now and forevermore. Praise the Lord. And so as we look at Psalm 115, and we joked in the office this week, um, Scott asked me on Tuesday, I think, he said, how's, how's sermon prep coming? You got it all done? I'm like, no, it's a hard one. He's like, oh, is it, a tough ser- is it a tough psalm to preach? I'm like, no, it's too easy. It's too easy. It's pretty cut and dry. You read it, it's like, God is good, trust him. Blessed are ye that trust him, tell the people. Right? It preaches itself. It doesn't need me up here, which is awesome. Um, but that's the truth of it, right? It's simple. It's not complicated. It's not. But yet we have trouble doing it, right? We have trouble because we see something else. We put something else in God's rightful spot. We put things where they don't belong, and then everything gets out of whack. And so we're going to come uh, to a, a time of response. And, and if you're at home, uh, you'll see ways you can respond. You can text. You can call. You can email. Uh, prayer requests, decisions, anything like that, you can just do that. If you're in the pew and you have a decision or something you want to say or need, you can also, this is a great way um, to get a hold of us, the best way, one of the only ways right now. Um, and so as we come to this time of response, the questions are this. Are you fully trusting in the Lord? Are you willing to just stick your hand up, take his and say, I'm, wherever you're taking me, I'm going to go? because I trust you, and I know that when I get there, I will be blessed. Is there something holding you back? What is it? What have you you put in that place of God? And are you ready to do the work here on earth while you still can to praise him, to tell of his goodness? So we're going to pray, and then we're going to sing and consider those things as we do that. Let's pray. Uh, Lord God, we come to you now. Thank you for today. Thank you for, God, the fact that you do bless us. You are trustworthy. God, we don't have to worry, uh, God, about our needs, um, our life. God, because when we put it all in your hands, God, it is powerful. It's powerful to be able to trust in you, God. It's powerful to know that there's blessing that comes from that, God. And it's just so freeing and relaxing in the ability to know that When we're following you, you're going to take care of us. God, I pray now for strength and courage to continue to seek your face. Lead us during this time. Open our hearts. Convict us. We love you. We praise you. We ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen.